while they're making their way down and everybody's getting situated, you want to take your copy of God's Word and turn to the third chapter of Colossians, the third chapter of Colossians. If you would find your way down to about verse 22, Colossians chapter 3 and verse 22 is where we'll begin reading here in just a moment as we conclude this section of the book of Colossians. We'll make our way into chapter 4 verse 1 and then we'll pick up there, Lord willing, in the coming weeks and finish chapter 4 and finish our journey through this wonderful letter. Uh, speaks so much to us about the preeminence of Jesus Christ, his supremacy, and his sufficiency in all things. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. We're going to read down through chapter 4, verse 1. If you found your place in physically able, stand with me if you would in honor and reverence to the reading of God's word. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. Here's what the Word of God says. It says, Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray you'd add your blessing to the reading of your word today. And Father, I pray, dear God, that you would be glorified through the faithful proclamation of the gospel today. I pray that you'd take this poor, lisping, stammering tongue of this preacher. May you set it on fire from on high. And may you be glorified and may lives change as a result of hearing the gospel today. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you. You can be seated. Today I'm speaking to you on the extension of the Christian home. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been studying this passage beginning back up about verse 18. and We discovered how God expects and anticipates that the Christian home will operate. We studied God's word concerning the relationships that exist between husbands and wives and also those between children and parents. We studied the husband and wife relationship and as we did so, we discovered how the Christian home is established. We just studied its beginnings and its origins, and we studied the children and parent relationship last week, and as we did, we discovered how the family begins to enlarge, much in part by the birth of children, and most of us realize how those decisions get more important and life becomes a little more complicated because you have someone to think of other than just yourself. We noticed some things about that, and we noticed that Paul was very clear in how children are to obey their parents, and he also was very clear how parents are to encourage their children to live godly and holy lives. Very important. But today, we're going to examine the relationship that takes place between slaves and masters. And I know some of you young boys say, wait a minute, I feel like a slave to my daddy. He's always giving me something to do, or maybe my mama, but that's not it at all. We talk about this situation, we'll notice how the testimony of Christ is to extend past our homes, past our church buildings, and into the world. Thank God slavery is not legal in this country and in most parts of the world today and never should be. It's not present in our culture. So this relationship between slaves and masters can be compared to that of the employer-employee relationship. See, it's important to note that Paul devotes twice as much space in writing here on the problems between employers and employees than he does any other part of this passage concerning this subject. That's what's wonderful about the Word of God, and that's why in pastoral ministry, we have to and have been charged by God to declare all the counsel of God to the people of God, the whole counsel. 
which means Genesis to the maps. Amen? We don't leave anything out, and we deal with subjects that sometimes are kind of touchy. Sometimes they're a little bit difficult, but they are situations that need to be dealt with from a biblical standpoint so that you, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, will be instructed by the Word of God and empowered by the Spirit of God to go into a culture and faithfully declare and be able to demonstrate what it means and what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Much of that takes place in the workplace. See, one reason that this is coming together here, one reason we believe that Paul could have written so much more, of course, we know he was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but one reason could have been about the return of a runaway slave named Onesimus who was a slave to Philemon. The letter was being sent by Paul through Epaphras, this letter being sent back to Colossae through Epaphras, who was the pastor of the church there at Colossae that was meeting in Philemon's home. It was being sent to the church where Philemon's son, Archippus, was leading the church in Epaphras' absence. So you see what's taking place. He's sending the letter through Epaphras. They're going back to the church that's meeting in Philemon's home. While Epaphras is absent, Archippus, his son, is leading the church. And that's what's going on, and much could be said about that. So as Epaphras delivered this letter to the church at Colossae, he also delivered a personal letter to Philemon. And if you've never read the book of Philemon, it's just one small chapter, and it has a wonderful message, because that letter would challenge Philemon to receive Onesimus as a son because during the time of him being away in AWOL, he had met Paul, and through the preaching ministry of Paul, he had received Christ as Savior. So Paul writes to Philemon and says, do not receive him as a runaway, receive him as a brother because now he belongs to Jesus. And Paul even took it a step further. He said, and if he owes you anything, Put it to my account. Now, doesn't that sound like Jesus? Put it to my account, and when I get there, you know I'll pay whatever is owed. So as we talk about the extension of the Christian home and we look into these verses today, there are a couple of major uh, things I want to bring to your attention and some other things, but I want us to focus on who Paul was talking to and what he said was needed in the extension of the Christian home as we move beyond the walls and into the world. The first thing he talked about was that of sincere servants. You see, at the time of the writing of this letter, there was an estimated 60 million slaves in the Roman Empire. You say, how many is 60 million? Well, that's a whole bunch, amen? 60 million slaves, and with so many slaves, here's the question. How did a person become a slave? Well, you could become a slave several ways. One, you could become a slave by being born to slave parents. If your parents were slaves, if you were born into that family, you, by being a part of that family, would become a slave. You could also become a slave through financial loss or through military conquest. If you lost everything you had, there was no other way to get food, you become a slave. Or if your country or your area was overtaken by another country, you could become a slave. I'm grateful to God that we're blessed to be born in a country where there was a great price paid for the freedom of all men, aren't you? I certainly am. But as Christians, we understand what it means to be a bond slave. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, he said, you know, I'm a bond slave of Jesus Christ. I don't preach myself. It is Christ and the gospel that I preach. We understand what that is. Before I came to Christ, and I want you to know if you're a Christian today, this is your testimony too. Before you came to Christ, you were a slave to sin and self. Amen. You were a slave to what made you happy, what made you feel good, and you didn't care what it did to anybody else. You were a slave to sin and self. And the indulgence in the things that satisfy the flesh will put a grip on your heart and cause you to live in intense bondage. If you only live to satisfy the flesh, you will eventually find yourself in intense bondage. But, thank God, when I came to Christ, 
when I realized where I was, when I realized I could not save myself, when I realized that the things of this world would never give lasting peace, when I came to Christ, guess what I got? I got a new master. Amen? Uh, anybody here grateful for your new master? Oh, listen, you remember the words of the hymn writer, I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more. But the master, hey, but the master of the sea, he heard my despairing cry. When I ran the white flag up the flagpole of my heart and surrendered, he heard my despairing cry, and from the waters lifted me. Now safe am I. I thank God for my new master. Oh, when I got a new master, I'll tell you what happened. No longer was I in charge. No longer was I a slave to sin and sound. No longer did I live to just please myself. No longer did I live to just do what made me happy and all that. When I came to Christ and Christ came into my life, you know what he did? He gave me a new heart. He gave me a new purpose. He gave me a new direction. He gave me a new mind. He gave me a new motivation. He gave me a new life. And I thank God that I am a, a child of God and a servant of the Master and the King of Kings. Amen man now I'm a bond slave of the Lord Jesus and here's what the Bible says second Corinthians chapter 4 verse 5 and 6 Paul speaking for we do not preach ourselves but Christ the Lord and ourselves your bond servants for Jesus sake for it is the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ I'm grateful for the gospel so what exactly does Paul say should be our testimony as sincere servants what should be our testimony as bond slaves with him to an unbelieving world. Well, as a Christian here today, and as a Christian employee in the 21st century workforce, I want you to hear me. You're probably asking yourself, what should be my focus of my heart each day as I go to my job? What should be my focus as I go to do and do the work that God has given me? Well, there's several things we can see right here in the text. One is is that you must have and live with a penetrating purpose. Verse 22 speaks to that. See, the most important thing you can take with you and the most important thing you can take from this building today and the most important thing you can take from this sermon today is to know this and understand this, that wherever you are employed, that place is your mission field. When you begin to view your place of employment as a mission field, you will get a new perspective from heaven on that place and God will be able to give you some joy that you don't can't make an end of yourself because you realize that it is he who has placed you there. You are there on his mission and you're there to fulfill his purpose. So verse 22 gives us some specific instructions of how we're to serve in our mission field and do so with purpose. One, just walk through the text with me. First he says we're to obey in all things. Here's what that means. All things means we're supposed to be obedient in the enjoyable activities and even in the unenjoyable ones. Does anybody, if somebody does, please talk to me after service. Is there, does anybody have a job that you like everything about it? Thank you. Somebody was honest today, right? No, no, all of us, no matter what we do, that's why they call it work, right? You don't always enjoy everything about what you do. I heard a pastor say this one time. He said, I love the pastoral ministry. If it wasn't for the people, it'd be great. <laughs> now, buddy, I mean, he has missed the boat, hasn't he? Because pastoral ministry is all about people. And you know what? You don't always like everything. You don't always understand. And regardless of what you do, there's things about what you do that you wish weren't so. Well, I read this. And listen, this was from 31 years ago. I found this quote from 31 years ago. Two guys wrote a book called The Day America Told the Truth. Their names are James Patterson and Peter Kim. And here's what they said 31 years ago. A dark cloud of dissatisfaction blankets today's workforce. Only one-tenth of American workers say they are satisfied with their jobs. For the overwhelming majority, work is dull and meaningless. 
Only one in four employees give their best effort on the job, and 20% of the average worker's time is wasted, resulting in a loss of one full workday per week. Y'all reckon that's got any better? I guarantee it hadn't. And 31 years ago, they were seeing this. A dark cloud is hanging over. These folks had not even lived through 9-11. They had not lived through, you know, the recession of 08. They had not lived through the pandemic of 20 to 21, 22 and beyond. They had not lived through this crazy madness of where we're headed now, $5 a gallon gas. And look here, you think there was a dark cloud 31 years ago? Man, there is a thunderhead on us today. God help us. Oh, what we need to make sure is is that that doesn't define our work ethic. That your employer doesn't look at you and go, golly, I know somebody like that. Hey, here's another thing he says. We're not to do it with our service. That means we are not to serve with a reluctant attitude. Well, I'll do it because nobody else will. Or I'll do my work just as long as the boss is watching, but when the boss turns his back, I'm going to go back to being my old self. Wow. Now we're to obey in all things. We're not to do so with eye service, not as men pleasers. See, our motives should never be for the applause of men, but for the approval of heaven. Did you know that? See, when you go to work on your job tomorrow, and you fulfill your Monday morning mission in the mission field, here's what you need to know is that regardless of who's watching, God's always watching. Regardless of what others think, it doesn't matter. It's what God knows to be true. So you're not to do it with our service. You're not to be reluctant. You're not to be a men pleaser. You know, some people would get this attitude. I don't know why I work so hard. Nobody appreciates me. You ever heard that? You know, I believe we've all fallen, trick to the, fallen to that trick of the devil several times. I've had people say this to me before. Brent, you just try to so hard to get too much in your sermons. and You know, you just seem to put too much in and all this kind of stuff. I've even had people say, you just ought to back off a little bit. <laughs> I think they might like for me to do that. Amen. And several years ago, let me tell you something that happened to me. It's been a long time now. It's been a long time. But several years ago, something happened to me. I began to... I begin to get pulled into that, you know. Man, you pour your heart into what you're doing, and you get up there and you pour your soul out to people, and it doesn't seem to affect nothing they do, nothing they say. They go out to under and live like the devil, and, and you know, they just don't care, and, and all this, and you, 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 you just probably should back off and not try so hard, not put so much in it. Maybe they don't appreciate. Maybe you're not really wanted. Maybe you're just being tolerated, and you know what? Satan tried to do that to me, and he began to sell me on that lie that no one's listening and no one cares, even what I have to say but I want to tell you something out of that I learned a valuable principle because you can let Satan whisper in your ear all you want but here's the good news about it as a child of God I've been bought with a price I've been bought with the precious blood of Calvary. He bought me from the slave market of sin. He has changed my life. He has called me to his place of service. And no matter what Satan comes up with, I'm grateful for the ever-indwelling presence of the Spirit of God that speaks truth when he pours in lies. Amen? So here's what I learned from that. I'll never forget when I learned it, but here's what God taught me is when a preacher prepares the sermon, he's not really preparing the sermon for the congregation. He's preparing the sermon for the Lord Jesus Christ. When you go to work tomorrow, whatever you do, whatever your vocation is, you're not really doing that work for the citizens. You're not really doing that work for the corporation. You are doing that for the most important thing under heaven. You are doing that job for the Lord Jesus Christ, and you reflect him wherever you go and whatever you do. So the Lord just reminded me, he helped me. Don't worry about those things. Prepare the sermon with the people of God on your heart. Prepare the sermon with the will of Father on your heart. And always pour your soul into what you do, regardless of the response, regardless of the reception. Do what God has called you to do, and you can walk in freedom. You can walk in victory, knowing that you're being faithful to the call of God on your life. Amen. I believe that. And I'll just say for the record's sake. I want you to know I worked real hard on what I'm talking to you about today. Amen. I made plans for you to be here. I thought about y'all this week. I talked to God about, about y'all long before I came out here to talk to you about him. Amen. There's sometimes I walk out here sometimes during the week 
And there's one thing I've learned about Baptist folk. I know where y'all sit. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. And I ain't just speaking on you, Ray. There's a lot of other people out there. Okay, okay. I know where you sit. You know what? And you think I'm telling you one. I'm serious. There's times I'll walk to where you sit. And I don't even know. I don't know what's going on. Got to put people on my heart. And I'll walk to where you sit or in the general area. And I don't know what's going on. Don't have to know. Don't need information. But sometimes I'll just sit in that spot and I'll say, God, you put my brother here on my heart today. And this is about where he sits. So you put my brother and his family. This is about where we sit. I'll sit right here, Jackson, where you young people sit sometimes. And I'll say, hey, this is where our students, a lot of the students sit here. God, I just pray you protect them. God, I just pray you use them in the mission field of their school that they not fall victim to just follow the crowd, that you didn't call them to fit in. You called them to stand out. And I just began to pour my, you know why? Because you matter. You matter. So I work real hard on those things. And I mean, I pour my soul out to God. And I want you to know it means so much to me because I'm going to tell you this. If I was sitting in your place today, I wouldn't want to go see somebody that had three points in a poem and give me some homespun homily that rocked me to sleep and made the pew a comfortable place to go to hell from. Man, if I'm sitting in your place today, you know what I'm asking God for? I'm asking God to bring a man of God filled with the Spirit of God with his heart pumped full of the Word of God who will stand on the truth of God's Word, pour his soul out, plead with men to come to Christ in repentance and plead with the church to walk in victory and live faithfully in a godless society. Oh, that's what I'd want to see today. Amen? Amen. God, help us. Oh, but then he said, you got to do it in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Wow. I believe we must hold the name of God high in our world. We must also hold high the principles of the word of God and the will of God. We must hold them in high regard as we go about our earthly work. I want you to know this, and you need to know this. When you go to your earthly job as a child of God, you are painting a picture of the lifestyle and work ethic of Jesus Christ to a lost world. I really believe Christian employees ought to be the best employees in the place, don't you? I really do. I always remember that story Tony Evans talked about. I don't remember every detail of it. But when he was going to Dallas Theological Seminary, he worked at the bus station, the bus line. He worked the night shift. The boys told him, said, hey, here's how the system works. You come in. You clock us in. We go back there and go to sleep. And you work. And you know what? Sometimes we'll repay the favor. We'll let you go get you a nap. We'll clock you in. You'll get paid to sleep. Tony Emmons says, no, nah, I don't, I don't want to do that. So he never bought into the game. So they began to punish him a little bit. They gave him all the hard jobs. They made him go out there and carry the heavy suitcases unload buses all by himself it wasn't fair but he knew he had to be faithful and I always told my children when they were growing up I said girls if you're looking for life to be fair that's where you go down there and buy a ticket and go round and round and round until you get sick amen it ain't fair they weren't fair to Tony Evans he was being mistreated by his co-workers and sometimes you will be but he kept doing it and he kept doing it and he kept doing it and one day he got called into the big boss's office he thought, oh boy, they done got me now. They done made up something on me. I don't know what I'm going to do. Went up there, he said, thinking he was going to lose his job. How was he going to go home and tell Miss Lois he didn't have a job? Called him in, and the president began to tell him that he had found out what was going on with these boys and found out the little system they had going and said, we've investigated Evans, and we found out you're the only one that's not involved. To yes, sir. He says, Won't you, what we want you to know is, is we got rid of all them boys. We got a new crew coming in, and we've elevated you to the supervisor. <laughs> Amen. He said, I walked out of there and said, Lord, God is good. Amen. <laughs> you say, wait a minute. Sometimes you don't see the elevation immediately. 
Sometimes you don't always see the blessing immediately, but I want to tell you something, child of God. When you are faithful, God will always be faithful to you regardless. But when you are faithful, I want you to hear me. He will never leave you by yourself even when you feel like you're alone. And here's the deal. You may not receive your elevation on this side. Oh, but can I tell you something? There's coming a day. We've been talking about it in Sunday school of a great elevation. It's a day of a great evacuation. It's a day where we're going to rise to meet Jesus in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. I thought about the cathedrals this morning when it was in Sunday school when they used to sing that song from 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. They said, We shall see Jesus in all of his glory. There is no greater promise than this. When he returns in power and glory, we shall see Jesus just as he is. Keep on being faithful. Keep on working. Keep on serving, even when it's not fair, because the day of your great elevation is coming when you will meet Jesus in the air, and whatever you've endured on this side will be worth it all on that side. Amen? Amen. God is good. He is good. Wow. Let's move on. How about that? They must also utilize a proper perspective. Verse 23, I... I love what R. Kent Hughes said. He said, work that is truly Christian is work well done. <laughs> Here's what Paul does. He gives a personal directive to the church of the manner in which they should conduct their daily lives. Here's what he said. Whatever you do, backs you up to verse 17. Whatever you do, see what we do matters. He says, whatever you do, do it heartily means from the heart. It's not just what we do that matters. It's how we do it that matters. And then he says, as to the Lord, that means it's not just important what we do or how we do it, but why we do it. Amen. See, regardless of our circumstances, everything we do, whether you're at home, whether you're at work, whether you're at church, wherever you are, should be done for the honor and the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. We must be diligent to serve and labor for the applause of heaven, never for the affirmation of man. I believe that is very important. So Paul gives us a couple of reasons real quick. For servants, employees to honor their employer. One, he gives us a positive one in verse 24. When you read verse 24, you see it very clearly. Knowing that from the Lord you shall receive reward of your inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. You may say, wait a minute, you don't know my employer, you don't know my boss, you don't know my supervisor. They're, they're not fair to me. We've already talked about that. But I want you to know if you endure hardship and unfairness here on earth, Paul says this, that you can live with a calming assurance that you are his and you are an heir to your eternal reward. Always remember that the Lord you serve is abundantly generous and gracious to his children. Not just a positive, but also a negative. Look at verse 25 there. He who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. There's no partiality. Paul warns that God will execute discipline for disobedience upon his servants without any favoritism. You know, the world's filled with favoritism, but not with God. See, some of God's children try to justify their disobedience by saying, hey, I live under grace. I don't live under the law, but that's no good. Because here's what John MacArthur said. He said, Christians should never presume on their Christianity to justify their disobedience. Even if we are God's children, we will reap what we sow because God is impartial. Sincere servants. Well, I got to move on here. I can't leave this off. Chapter 4, verse 1, he talks about sensible masters. We've been kind of rough on the employee, but God is just as strong about the employer. Many people have a position of leadership do not treat those under their leadership fairly or respectively or respectfully. While they might demand respect from their employees, they do not demonstrate mutual respect to others. So listen closely. You say, well, I'm not a business owner, so that's not me. No, if you are, it is. But also, if you're responsible for leadership in any capacity in the world, leadership in your job, leadership in your community, leadership in the church, this is for all of us. So Paul gives two admonitions to masters and leaders in verse 1. I'm going to give you those and I'm done. 
One, they must be fair to those who give their labor. See, under Roman law, law, slaves had no rights at all. But in chapter 3, verse 11, we learn that we are all on the same level in the eyes of the Lord. Did you know that? Did you know that? I've met ministers and pastors that had more degrees than a thermometer that thought they were, thought they were better than me thought they were smarter than me and they probably are it doesn't matter but I see people in all walks of life where it's like that and sometimes people want to use their education or they want to use their experience or something to kind of lord over others and it's wrong in both situations see the employee who is treated fairly here's what they will do they will willingly go above and beyond what is required of them you think about it it's very important you understand that. And if you are someone who is in charge of leadership in any capacity, I would encourage you to focus on building morale around you, focus on treating people with respect, and be surprised at how much of that will come back. They must also demonstrate the fear of the Lord. See, Paul reminded Christian leaders that they too have a master in heaven. You know one of the things that humbles me every day when I realize what God has called me to do and the wonderful privilege he's given me to serve him as a pastor is I realize that I will be accountable for everything I've ever said to y'all whether it was from this pulpit whether it was in conversation whether it was outside in the community wherever I will be accountable for every word every idle word every everything but, and that is something that humbles me and reminds me that I got a master in heaven and I'm not in charge. R. Kent Hughes said this. He said, employers, if you truly realize that you must answer to God for the way you conduct yourselves with your employees, you will care about what happens to them. I believe there's a great danger today in disregarding these words from God through the Apostle Paul. Because if you disregard or dismiss these words... You will never experience the fullness of what God desires for you regardless of how successful you may be in the eyes of the world. There will always be something that is missing. Preacher, tell me something that's going to help me to be a good leader because I want to tell you, I've read a gazillion things on leadership. I mean, I told them Wednesday night, John Maxwell's got a gazillion books on leadership, and they're good, and there's other great leadership gurus. My favorite book on leadership is Spiritual Leadership by Henry Blackaby, and he boils it down to this. He said, here is the crux. Here is when you boil it all down, here's what spiritual leadership is. It's moving people onto God's agenda. And some people say, well, that sounds so simple. You just say, preacher, here's what God says. Okay, let's all go follow God. And that's what we should do. But can I tell you, that's one of the most difficult things under heaven is to get people to move to God's agenda and leave theirs behind. Amen. Do you know why? Because we think we have a better idea than God. But when I read those things, I say, what can help me? I'll tell you something to really help you is if you will pray daily for wisdom, and you will pray to be a servant leader like Jesus. The greatest example of leadership you will find under the sun is in your Bible, and it is in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he, my friend, if he can be a servant leader, any of us can because he left the robes of glory and took on the rags of humanity to serve, not to be served, and give his life a ransom for me. I'll tell you one of the best things you can do. You can pray for God to give you that kind of wisdom. And I love what I read. My old buddy, all Tozer. Here's what all Tozer said. He said, wisdom comes to the heart that is hungry for God. Somebody asked me recently, he said, Brent, what's the missing link in the church today? And I believe there are two. And I know most people say, well, our church could be everything it needs to be if we had just the right kind of music. I don't believe anybody agrees on what the right kind of music is. And the thing is, everybody's got an idea and everybody's got an opinion, but none of those really matter. And some people say, we could be everything under the sun if we could just get the right preacher. 
It doesn't matter who, if Charles Stanley was your preacher, if you don't get on God's agenda, nothing's going to happen. Two things I think are the missing links. And it's not just my opinion, but it's based on observation of three decades of being in the people business. One, is there is a disrespect for the sovereignty of God. There are people today, as we said in Sunday school, that say, I've heard all my life he's coming back. I hadn't seen him yet. <laughs> well, just stay tuned and get your popcorn, amen? <laughs> Not to sound Lane Kiffinish, but anyhow, I don't know that I ever want to do that. But uh, there's a disrespect for the sovereignty of God. And look here, what we're neglecting in our generations, if we don't get something straight, the generations that come behind us are going to reject it. The sovereignty of God, a disrespect for sovereign God. Here's the second thing, and, and I'm done. This ain't what in the notes today. This is just from my heart. The second thing is a lack of hunger for the things of God. We're real good about routine. We're human beings. We're creatures of habit. We know how we get to doing things, and we like that order. And when it gets shook up, we get worked up. In our church today, people get worked up over silly things and not stirred up over spiritual things. We really get worked up over the things that are temporary, but we don't get too stirred up about what's eternal. And here's what we do. We disrespect the sovereignty of God and we don't have a hunger for the things of God. We get in our ruts, we come to our church, we sing our songs, we listen to our preacher, we say, yeah, it's old Brother Brent, we know he's going to sweat, he's going to be fired up, because that's him, you know, that's just how he is, he's just one of those people. Look here, that's not really how I am. I'll tell you why I came here fired up today. It's because there's somebody who lives in me that's alive. I'm, I, was, I think it was Martin Luther went through the house shouting one day his wife said what's wrong said I, <laughs> I read the book there's a man in here and he's alive amen that's why I'm fired up but here's what you do you'd say you know he's fired up and you just say well you know what he's, he'd give me enough fire to carry me to next week I'll just feed off his fire and I'll feed off my Sunday school teacher and I'll feed off my favorite singer in the choir but here's the deal what, what God wants you to do is to get hungry for him yourself and we stand for our invitations and we know, because Brother Brent, you know, I'm not going to beg you and I'm not going to extend things a long, long time and I'm not going to try to make a big deal. I'm just going to present the gospel. I'm going to appeal for you to come to Christ. And you know, and that's very important. But here's the deal. And we sing our little verses and nothing happens and we're okay. But we shouldn't be. Okay. We should expect and anticipate that when the gospel is preached and the invitation is given that somebody's life is going to be changed. Amen? But we quit anticipating because we disrespect the sovereignty of God. We're not hungry for the things of God. Oh, would to God that today would be a day that somebody's life that somebody's family gets changed, that somebody's business gets changed, that somebody's attitude gets changed, that somebody's life, then everything about them gets changed. Boy, you know what? That's when the church really got on fire in the book of Acts. You know why? Because people were becoming different. When you went out into the world, you could tell the difference in them. If somebody says to you in our community, I'll tell you what, you know, your preacher, he don't fit the mold around here. I hope you say glory to God. I sat down with a pastor one time at a real spiritual Mexican restaurant in Wax, Georgia. You know where Wax, Georgia is? It's close to Silver Creek. You know where Silver Creek is? Okay, people, y'all need to get out and ride around a little bit. Look here. And he pastored over in Polk County. He was a native of Floyd County. I was pastoring in Floyd County. And here's what he said to me. Never forget old Barry Snap. Barry Snap said to me, 
uh, Brother Brent, I just want you to know, he's a good old boy, preacher, fine preacher, Victory Baptist Church. He said, you are not the typical Floyd County preacher. I didn't know what that meant. He looked at me, he said, but that's good. <laughs> Amen. I'll never forget that. So I didn't fit the mold there. I don't fit the mold here because the world tries to squeeze you into its mold. But you just remember this, that your preacher has been called by a God that's not one that gets squeezed in, but one that sees the world change for his glory. And we're believing God to change this community. Amen? Amen. But he'll only do it if he can change us first. Pray with me. Father, in Jesus' name, I just want to thank you for your word. God, I'm just going to ask you real simply today. Would you change somebody's life at this invitation? Would you save a lost sinner today? Would you restore joy to one of your children that's walking at a guilty distance? Would you add people to our fellowship today? Would you give us something, God, that we could see the tangible change in the lives of people that will affect our joy and affect our ability to go beyond these walls believing that you are in charge. God, do what only you can do. Draw your net and I'll give you praise. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Stand with me all across the house today and I want you to look this way before we sing. God has spoken to your heart today and you realize you do not have assurance of heaven. Please don't leave this building without giving us the opportunity to talk to you about that. Please, please come. I want to tell you, we, we want to help you. We don't want you to leave this world without Jesus. If you're one of God's children, you're like, you know what, preacher? I've just kind of had a filthy, stinking, rotten attitude about work lately. And you know what? If you have, you're not alone. We all have at some point. But God's put this preacher here to tell you, look here, that's your mission field. Be on mission with God. Boy, you've saved preacher, my joy is just not there. I need it back. Only God can do that. Come to Jesus. You say, this be a place God would have us serve. We want to encourage you to honor God with your decisions today. Marty, you sing when you're ready. Come to Jesus. Come every soul by sin oppressed. There's mercy.
chorus with all your heart right here okay one good time Marty when you're ready to the Lord Jesus today, amen. Amen. amen, amen, thank you, you can be seated, while you're being seated, our ushers are coming, guys, y'all come when you're ready, and as they're coming, I want to encourage you to be faithful today, um, we just believe that God uses the faithfulness of his people week after week to just bring those first fruits, the tithe is holy unto the Lord, and I want you to know I realize there's a lot of stuff going on out there and there's not a lot of good news on the TV today. But I talked to the Lord this morning. You know what he shared with me? Is that there's no crisis in glory. Amen. And uh, he didn't. He said, I don't want there to be a crisis in your heart, son. They go tell my people that I'm still God. Amen. And you didn't need me to tell you that, but uh, sometimes we all get a little discouraged and dismayed. We just need to be reminded. He's still Lord, amen? So as we give today, we give faithfully to the Lord, and we do so believing he can do more uh, than we ever thought possible, and I want to encourage you to do that. So let's join our hearts together and ask the Lord to bless our giving today. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you, Lord. We thank you for the message we've heard this morning. Lord, we thank you that six years ago today, you sent us a shepherd, Lord, that will faithfully stand before us, Lord, and proclaim the truth. Lord, that talks to you about us. Lord, because we need the encouragement weekly. Lord, we pray that we would just lift him up, Lord, to encourage him. Lord, that you would just fill him with wisdom to continue to guide this flock. And Lord, that you would use this, this flock mightily in this community to make a difference for you in this world. Lord, as we come to this portion of the service where we give back, Lord, we pray, Lord, that we do so with joyful hearts, Lord, and that we'd realize that it all belongs to you. And Lord, that you are with us. And Lord, that you will bless us if we'll just be generous. Lord, we pray that you'd give us wisdom to use these, Lord, that others may come to know you. All these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.
leads, I'll go. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Miss Connie. Hey, uh, just real quick, one thing I did fail to mention uh, for our Salt Lake City team, June 25th to July 2nd, this Tuesday, there's an opportunity. It's not mandatory or nothing, but it's important if you would, if at all possible. This Tuesday at 7 o'clock, we're doing a Zoom uh, call in the fellowship hall with our partners in Utah and also I think our partners from Arkansas and Tennessee will be on there with us too. So anyhow, we have the opportunity to convert some Tennessee volunteers while we're there too. Amen. We're not just on mission to reach Mormons. We're on mission to reach volunteers. Uh, but anyhow, uh, and the Arkansas people, God bless them. You know, anyhow. But anyhow, no, we got an opportunity to partner with them. And we'll be having a Zoom meeting 7 o'clock in the fellowship hall for our team. Do take that team there listed and pray for us daily as we prepare to get ready to go. If uh, for some reason you're not able to attend, please just tell Glenn or myself so we can make sure we get the information to you. But if you can, it'd be a great opportunity for you to hear and see and maybe even ask some questions you might have while we're in that meeting, okay? Come here, girls. I got some young ladies to present to you this morning. Most of y'all have met by now. I got to know Kaylee and Caitlin Hendricks. They've been attending our church for quite some time, and they've been in our student ministry and very involved. And they came forward today saying that they know they have been, uh, they've been born again, they've been scripturally baptized, and they wish to unite with the Heflin Baptist Church. So would you join me in welcoming the Hendricks sisters this morning? Amen. Thank you. <laughs> I think Keith was a, I don't think he was a baseball player in college. I think he was a cheerleader too. Yeah. Or he chased a bunch of them. But anyhow, I don't know. <laughs> Which is not a bad thing. Amen. Uh, I've never seen Keith get red or speechless. Right? Hey, here's how we're going to dismiss today, church. We're going at the end. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, Marty will sing us out. When we're done, I want you to come around and welcome Kaylee and Caitlin to our fellowship. Miss Tracy's going to be here with them. And uh, we're excited to see God, what God's doing in our student ministry. I tell you, God is really good. But please don't forget that I love you, and there's nothing you can do about it. Amen? Amen. Stand together. Marty, sing us out. God bless you. This is my story.